Welcome to Finance to Futurist, a side trade podcast series on how innovation, data and AI are disrupting order to cash. Hi, this is Natalie Silverman for Side Trade. Welcome to Finance to Futurist. On today's episode, we're discussing the impact of inflation, the push-pull relationship between AR and AP, and the direct correlation of technology efficiencies on cash flow, the customer experience, and employee retention. Please welcome Manager of Credit, Accounts Payable, and Accounts Receivable at PV Industries, Mary Masson-Hummel. Good morning, Mary, and thanks for sitting down for Finance to Futurist. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Natalie. Oh, it's so great to see you. And we were at a conference together up in Banff, and I was lucky enough to, to meet Mary, and you had so many interesting things to say, so I'm really glad you're able to join us today. Oh, perfect. I'm happy to do it. All right. So again, I always start off with a very easy question. So we take it easy and then we'll we'll get progressively harder. Just would love to hear more about yourself and your background and how you got to where you are today. Okay, sure. So today I work for PV Industries in Red Deer, Alberta. I've been here for a little over two years, but I've been in banking, finance, oil and gas, primarily in, in credit AP functions for a little over 20 years now. So kind of uh, grown throughout my experiences in, in different organizations. And um, so, yeah, so happy to be at PV. I'm learning a lot. It's my first time in a, in a retail environment and uh, certainly lots to learn here. What I'd love to talk more about is what you and I spoke a little bit about in person, but you know, there's been so many changes in the credit industry and certainly in receivables and payables. And I'm sure you've seen it all, but what are the top challenges that you're facing in accounts receivable today? And what keeps you up at night? Mm -hmm. Good question. So there's many things going on in the economy today that, you know, we're trying to be, you know, a couple of steps ahead of, you know, one is increasing prices, ensuring that our customers can handle those and that we're watching their every move to make sure that, you know, if there's a flag present that we're picking up on it to ensure that our accounts receivable is protected. So we're always wondering about that, like how do we do that? And then, of course, we are always trying to maintain our accounts uh, against fraud. So always trying to be on the lookout for that. Um, you know, there's all kinds of scams going on out there about uh, bank accounts, like switching bank accounts and, uh, you know, trying to get bias with that. So we are always uh, on the lookout for stuff like that and make sure that we have processes in place to protect our assets. How about inflation? I know that's on the mind of most financial people right now, but what are you guys thinking about in terms of inflation? So, you know, inflation is causing many issues for us. And, and the biggest one for us would be, you know, costs of, of merchandise, supply chain, and freight. Freight is a big one for us. And, and not just us, but many, many suppliers and uh, ensuring that, you know, we can get a product out to our customers and ensure that, you know, they can afford it and then they can sell it at, at a margin that, uh, that they can keep their business running. Yeah, it's just something that we're hearing more and more that really the CFO is so focused on that. And so, you know, from a receivables point of view, I know that we're trying to help, you know, conserve your cash, right? So my next question for you, being a veteran of the industry, and, and certainly I know you've seen a lot from both the credit and collections perspective, how has the role of the credit and collections manager evolved 
When I first started in in AR, you know, you typically were in touch with your customers. Customers knew you, you knew their pain habits, uh, you knew what to expect, you know, always there to help regardless if if they were in a position that that they couldn't pay, you worked with them. And we still do today because they're still a customer and we have to make sure that uh, that they continue to be a customer. But, you know, some of the things that have evolved are through technology, sometimes good, sometimes bad, you know, social media, all kinds of different avenues have impacted the the business. Like I said, some good, some bad. And again, fraudsters are out there, you know, looking to impact the businesses, whether it's on our customer side or on our side. And just technology trying to make sure that we can gather information on our customers. Like I said, trying to find patterns, you know, if there's a problem, detecting that ahead of time. You know, just stuff like that is, you know, top of mind for us. And and how do we get better? How do we get more efficient so that we're not, you know, using spreadsheets all the time to to maintain our customer base and that we have systems that are efficient and giving us the data that we're looking for? That's a great segue because my next question for you was going to be about how does data and technology fit into your strategic vision and actually enable your teams? Because, you know, we talk a lot about technology can sometimes replace people. But then on the other end, you and I talked about this. It also is a way to make them more efficient, as you just said. We're constantly looking at new ways to make our lives better, like as an organization with technology. And, you know, we're, we're looking at a new ERP system over the next couple of years to give us better data so that we're not constantly relying on Power BI reports or spreadsheets and different um, data points. because. You know, if if I'm looking for a Power BI report and somebody else is, and we're pulling somewhat of the same data, are we really getting one source of truth? And that that is the most important thing for us is one source of truth. Make sure those numbers are accurate, and then we're all talking about the same numbers, not different versions. So, very very important for us. Looking at a CMR product to help make our lives better as well, like from a tracking perspective and processes. We're constantly evolving, trying to find better ways. Of making things more efficient. It doesn't mean replacing people. It means taking our current workforce and being able to expand with their tasks, you know, for more value add and using some of the other products like AI to, to help with those tasks that, that can be done, you know, with, without a whole lot of uh, human intervention. Do you think technology actually helps with employee retention? Yeah, I would definitely say for sure. You know, because people want to add value, they want to be able to to do their job and they want to have, you know, the right tools available to them. But when they're constantly being bogged down by tasks that that are not providing that value add and they don't feel like they're being productive, it can be deflating for sure. Oh, absolutely. But no, I love what you said. It really is a combination. And we've been talking a lot about this idea of finance transformation. My next question, I'm going to ask you what you think about digital transformation, but finance transformation, what we're hearing, it's not just technology, but it's people and process and data and really the combination of everything that's helping you know finance departments transform and evolve. But getting back to digital transformation... I wondered what you think about it. And I guess, you know, is it a buzzword? Is it something that, you know, some firms are thinking about? Are you thinking about it in your day-to-day role? You know, and again, you mentioned AI. So AI kind of falls into that digital transformation. So in your role, your company, your team, how do you think about digital transformation and then tools like AI? Yeah, so it is definitely not a buzzword. 
we are definitely looking at digital transformation and how do we make our business better with the use of technology and our IT department are are very, very good at, at trying to find new pieces that will enhance our business, you know, whether it's in our store network, in our back office network, or finance or merchandising department, it doesn't matter. We're we're always looking for ways to implement a new digital platform to make our business better, help our employees and just, you know, functioning as a better team and a better organization. That's great to hear because, you know, sometimes you hear these terms, right? And then people just say, well, it's great and in theory, but then when it comes to a day-to-day activity or again, how you're getting cash back into your business, you know, maybe that's not something. So glad to hear that again, that's something you guys are thinking about. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. DSO, we know how important it is. And obviously, you know, many businesses tend to measure DSO as one of their KPIs, but when does the clock actually start with DSO? My last podcast, I talked about an idea called time to invoice, where some companies are actually thinking about DSO starting earlier in the order to cash cycle. So here's a question. When does your clock start for DSO? So our clock starts at the time that we actually enter in that uh, invoice. So whether it's a product going out of our warehouse, as soon as that product gets picked, and that invoice gets generated, that's when the clock starts ticking for us. Same thing on the AP side as well. So if we get an invoice from a vendor and they haven't invoiced us for you know a couple of months, the clock starts ticking as soon as we enter that, that invoice in. So, I mean, DSO is very important. We do measure it. We do measure our, our terms as well, you know, and, and try to keep within uh, you know, a balanced term. But yeah, DSO is very, very important to us because our cash is important and we have to be able to forecast our cash and whether it's, you know, our dealers or our customers paying us. And then, you know, what do we need to pay out, you know, to make sure that we're within our terms and we're getting early pay discounts, you know, so we we do try to monitor that and uh, get as many of those in as we possibly can. Well, that's great advice because I really think people are not thinking about DSO the way maybe they should and and not realizing that there are so many delays when it comes to invoicing and that sometimes, again, if you wait till the invoice is actually delivered to customers, it's almost too late. You almost need, like you said, to start it at invoice creation. Well, hopefully more people take your advice because that's what we've been (laughs) preaching too, is that, you know, hey, at the beginning of the cycle, every day that you can reduce certainly will help you, you know, at the end of the cycle, right? From a collections and disputes point of view. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we we have many of those as well, um, you know, that we're, we're always working on and try to resolve very quickly because, you know, we want to get paid and we also want to pay our vendors, Let me ask you this as a final question, because I know your title is manager of credit on both the accounts payable and the accounts receivable side. So I feel like oftentimes there's this push-pull relationship between AR and AP. And, you know, it seems like those AP complexities are always directly impacting the AR process and that, you know, receivables seem to be a little bit behind, you know, AP. So I just wondered, how do you manage that that push-pull relationship between both sides of the house? Yeah. So I do manage both sides and they are kind of looked at very differently. So one on the AR side, you know, we forecast what we're bringing in on our PADs and checks. And so we look at that and then we use that to kind of forecast, okay, what do we need to have going out? But they are very, very separate departments. And 
you know, from my perspective, they don't interact a whole lot with with each other because we want to make sure our vendors are paid and we want to make sure that we we collect from our um, customers as well. So for us, not really a whole lot of difference because we don't kind of merge them together. Yeah, no, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, even from the AR side of the house, a lot of times it's it seems like there's more control, right, on the AP side. And obviously it's driven a lot by the customer experience and wanting to maintain relationships with customers, which can often drive how they would like to be paid and whatnot. So yeah, it just seems like for some reason, AR is a bit behind uh, the curve, I guess, in terms of even automation and some of the areas where AP might have started the trend first. Yes, I would agree with that for sure. Definitely. You know, what I have seen in the past is AP seems to to have a little bit more attention and then our AR modules, you know, you kind of deal with what you have and and hope for the best sometimes to make sure that that we're getting paid, but definitely AP is a little bit ahead of the curve in in our modules and automation. Do you have any advice for maybe people starting out in the industry or are just kind of getting their foot in the door in credit today? You know, what what advice would you have for them? So it's it's kind of a a role that um, I don't think anybody says, oh, I really want to be a credit manager, you know, when I'm done school or I want to work in accounts receivable. I, I don't think anybody really says that. It's kind of a thing that you you land in, fall in, you know, because you know somebody or, or you've worked in an organization and somebody says, hey, you know, what do you think about going into this role or in this department? Can you help out? So it's kind of a, a unique role for sure. It's not for everybody, but definitely education certainly does help, you know, any courses that you can take on customer service, accounting, just really understanding the ins and outs of it, because it's not just that role, like that finance role impacts a whole organization. And you have to treat it like it's your cash, because it's the organization's cash, and you have to protect it. You, you really do need to understand the business, how your role impacts the business, and, and what can you do to, to really add the value for the customer and for the organization and just being up to date and reading and really, you know, listening to things like this, like podcasts, like people who, who have experience, try to find a mentor, maybe. There's lots of information out there. I mean, you can go on LinkedIn and read all kinds of different perspectives from people who have been in the business or read books, like I said, courses, seminars, anything that you can get your hands on to you know understand what's changing in the the credit and and accounts receivable world would definitely be help. Thanks Mary for your insights into the future of finance. For side trade, this is Natalie Silverman. This has been another episode of Finance to Futurist, a side trade podcast series. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to our podcast on sidetrade.com or through your podcast platform of choice. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Sidetrade and is for general information purposes only. All rights reserved.